Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the UI Breakfast Podcast. I'm your host, Jane Portman, and today our super special guest is Koi Ving, the principal designer at Adobe, and we're going to talk about the future of UX. This episode is brought to you by Tiny Reminder. Tired of nagging people? Build a simple form, set a reminder schedule, and add recipients. We'll keep sending reminders until they submit a response, providing you peace of mind. Sign up free at tinyreminder.com. Hi, Koi. Hello, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for making the time for us today. I'm really happy to be here. Awesome. We're going to start with a short questionnaire before going to the main topic. How does it sound? That sounds great. And question number one is, what do you do for a living? I work at Adobe. My title is Principal Designer, which um, it's not a very descriptive title because the job is a little bit unusual. I spend half my time with customers out in the community at conferences and then half my time working on products and design and strategy and my focus is on customers like us, UI designers, UX designers, the, the whole design field. Fantastic. What is your background? How did you get there? I've been a designer for two decades now. I started out doing identity work, uh, traditional quote-unquote graphic design, and then um, got immersed into the first wave of the the web, the dot-com boom from the late 90s, early 2000s. And then from there, I've had you know, a number of different kinds of variants on the designer role. I've you know, I started a studio. I've worked in-house. Uh, I led design at NewYorkTimes.com. I did a startup. I that was acquired. I've worked at other startups. I've worked at other big companies. It's so I've kind of been around the block, and I've been at Adobe now for about two years, a bit more than two years. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, does your very varied background help you in your everyday uh, assignments? <laughs> Yeah, I think it really does because this job, as I mentioned, it's a bit unusual. Um, we don't have a, a lot of folks who have the same responsibilities that I do. And so every day is quite different. I kind of have to make it up each day. And sometimes I'm heads down figuring out a design problem. Sometimes I'm working on a big strategy Sometimes I'm, you know, going from city to city doing conferences, and I have to keep all these balls in the air at the same time. And having a varied background allows me to draw on different kinds of experiences to to keep all these different kinds of initiatives going. The next question is, uh, what does your typical day look like? You kind of answered that a little bit, but maybe yeah. you can elaborate more. Are you an early riser? What do you usually do? I'm not sure there's a typical day for me anymore. I mean, right now, maybe more than than any time in the past four or five months is sort of typical. I get up and I take my kids to school and I come to the office and how I spend my day is... You know, 
kind of different. Like yesterday, I was at a customer talking with them extensively, and today I'll probably be in meetings all day, and tomorrow I may be working at home because I have to write a big, uh, a, a prepare like a big uh, presentation. Um, before this month, though, from basically from August until um, mid-November, I was traveling for some reason or other every single week, and so I haven't had a, a steady routine in quite a while. Uh, the job is pretty varied. Wow, that's impressive. What do you enjoy the most and the least about your work? What I enjoy the most is kind of like everything I just said. I really do like the fact that every day is different and that the challenges are, you know, um, quite varied and I get to use all parts of my brain. I don't have to spend all my time just thinking about, you know, high level stuff or, or making big presentations or doing, you know, quote unquote businessy stuff. But I do enjoy that. Um, and I, I also get to spend a decent amount of time really like figuring out design problems at a, like a, you know, low level, for lack of a better term, actually rolling up my sleeve and doing real work. And that really keeps me interested, keeps me motivated. Um, because I think if, if things got to be too routine, I think I would be a lot less engaged. Uh, I, I, I tend to get bored pretty easily. Mm -hmm. um, I think the, the least favorite thing about my job is with all my traveling, I actually have to file a lot of expenses. It can be a kind of a drag. Oh. Um, is your, your position a self-guided one? Do you determine what exactly to do or are there like main topics brought to you from above? Um, so I think it's largely self-guided, but I, I have general direction from you know, my boss and from folks above. Um, and that general direction is to help Adobe win um, in the market for designers. You know, we've been working really, really hard um, for the past two years on a brand new UX UI design tool called Adobe XD. In fact, I was at our user conference in Las Vegas um, in October where we launched version 1.0. Um, and that's a, a really huge priority for Adobe. We're putting a lot of resources um, against really trying to make it a success. And it's not just about building this app. It's also about creating a... Um, a system that makes life better for designers everywhere. So if you look at it from that perspective, from the, the, the perspective of really trying to make a difference in the lives of designers, then um, there are a lot of initiatives that, that I come up with to sort of support that overarching goal. What is your next big thing is the next question. And I guess uh, that product is exactly the next big thing we're talking about. Yeah, so we launched version 1.0 in October, like I said. And we are getting into a rhythm now of releasing major updates roughly once a month. So we had one in the middle of November. Um, I think we'll see one... Um, 
in, in December and in January, and we have a whole slate of major new features that are going to get rolled out uh, month after month to, to really help build upon this foundation that we that we established with 1.0, and I think within six or eight months, XD is going to be maybe 10 times as robust as it is today. We're looking forward to see it out in the market because there is... As opposed to, you know, a few years ago, there is such a great variety of tools now. I'm so happy to see you come up with uh, an, your own solution. Yeah, it's a really exciting time for designers. There's so much choice, and we really like that at Adobe, too, because it pushes us to do better, and and we think it also creates a huge opportunity to, to build a whole different kind of solution a whole different kind of app for our customers um, just because of all the, the way technology has changed so it's it's a great time to be thinking about design tools thinking about how to make designers lives better absolutely before going into the future of ux i would like to you know give your i would love you to give your opinion of what do you think of you know the design industry today uh you've been in for two decades as you mentioned what does today look like for UX designers? In some ways, the state of the industry it has never been better. We have more designers than ever. We have more opportunities for them, more companies that recognize the importance of design and want to integrate designers from a very early stage all the way through to you know the um, the later stages of a company to, to really inform strategy and we have more awareness of designers than ever and so I think that's terrific on the other hand I think that we are starting to hit a ceiling of for our ability to influence and participate to to really be part of the 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 direction of a company and of a product and i think that comes from our lack of willingness or lack of ability or just the general absence of really deep critical thought about the work that we do and how it's relevant and how it should really be measured how its success or failure should really be measured. And I think that's that's the next stage for design is really greater rigor, greater in, insight into the the meaning and the, the impact of our work and greater accountability when it comes to the companies and the products that we build, um, their, their failure and their success. Absolutely. I think it's one of the challenges. Uh, you know, UX is a very much problem-solving industry. I don't like to be called creative, for example. But at the same time, there is still no good way of solidly measuring the success of our work. Maybe you have any answers to that question? Well, I think for the past decade or so, design has really gravitated towards the tools that have become available um, um, in the analytic realm, the, and, and you know, it largely comes down to measuring conversions. How successful is the design at turning a, a visitor into a buyer? How successful are we in in getting somebody to to you know come back again and again, or to click on a specific button or follow a specific path? And there's certainly validity to that. But I think what's becoming evident is that. 
it's somewhat short-sighted because we're not really thinking when we think purely about conversion, when we think purely about um, about getting a user from point A to point B, we're not thinking about their long-term relationship with the brand or with the, the company and the long-term, you know, for lack of a better term, um, health of the user. I mean, it's, it is what we're trying to get them to do good for them. Um, and I think we really started to see that this year when, when, um, when we've taken a, a look at the impact of these highly addictive products and services that we've built that are really monopolizing people's times and, and really changing the fabric of, of society and um, of culture. And I think those are really big, important questions that design needs to grapple with going forward. Let's talk about the tools again, uh, since, uh, of course, we, we can't avoid the, the big topic of Adobe XD being built from scratch by such a huge, you know, provider of software in the creative field that Adobe is. What was it like to build a new product without all the legacy that you have with, for example, Photoshop or Illustrator or InDesign? Yeah, well, first I should say, you know, Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign, those continue to, to grow and, and to get new features and become more and more performant. We, we have tons of people who are still doing amazing work in those. Um, so it wasn't so much a, a, a case of needing to throw out those methods or those, those approaches as it was a case of really taking a look at how people are tackling the challenge of designing for screens, designing for digital media, and realizing that that we needed to take um, a different tact, that we needed to build something from the ground up. And that was really, really difficult, but also very liberating, because you know, we, we were able to go back to the foundations, found the foundational ideas of what a designer does, and really examine what they need in order to accomplish their tasks and to build a new code base and to build new interactions and an interface that directly maps to that. Um, and one of the, the biggest benefits is that XD is incredibly fast um, and, and very, very performant. And it gives us this, this new foundation on which to build features that um, are very different from the way things were done before. So for these users who are building apps and websites, there are things that, um, that the new foundation and the new technology that's out there allows us to, to really rethink the way we help them solve their problems. And, and that's really exciting. So yeah, getting to start from scratch is a key part of making XD successful. Uh, can you give, besides, you know, the abstract high-level thinking, what was the process? Um, how large is the team that was working on it? Did you get to have your, you know, hands on it? Or did you just guide everyone else or maybe do research? So, in the, so XD began even before I joined Adobe in... I joined in August of 2015, and um, it had started, I believe, earlier that year or even the previous year with a small group of people 
who had been Adobe for a while and who had seen changes in the way people approach design and also changes in the, in the, uh, the marketplace or tools that really suggested that Adobe could take a different approach. So they got together almost like a, like a skunk works project or something and just started hacking and establishing the principles that they wanted to, to abide by when they developed it. And so it was, there were a lot of early iterations and ideas that were tried and didn't quite survive. Um, and that team just kept, just kept hacking away at it and trying to figure out what was going to be the right general approach. And one of the actually techniques that they used was to periodically stop design development and everybody would sit down and try to recreate what they had created before with the tool that they were building. It was very much like an, <laughs> that an is inception so type moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, because they were using Illustrator and Photoshop before. So, so it's a unique situation when you're building a UI, UX UI tool because you can, you're essentially building the tool that will allow you to, to design the tool that you want to build. Um, and so that was actually a, a key way to determine their progress as they would periodically do that and then you know identify the points of friction and so forth. And eventually that project really started getting attention from the rest of the company and um, and a quote unquote proper product team was built around it and it got executive sponsorship and um, um, and then I started working on it uh, last year. Wonderful. If you were to define a few maybe statements or trends that were your guiding light while building the product and what you see as industry trends in, in general in terms of design tools. Yeah. So for us, the big idea is um, uh, a phrase that one of our key product managers, Tom Kirkhout, um he established early on that was design at the speed of thought, and that kind of governs everything. So on the one hand, it implies that XD has to be really, really lightning fast. It's, I think, faster than any other UX tool out there um, in the market and, and more stable as well. It's like a whole new level of, of performance. Um, and it also impacts the way we think about the features that we build. So instead of building like a, um, a traditional um, you know, tool where it lets you draw boxes over and over again, we have taken approaches that let us rethink how designers solve their problems. So we have a tool called Repeat Grid that lets you instantly create like a whole table or a whole like index view really, really quickly. And um, we have a layers palette that lets you view only the layers that are relevant to your current selection so that you don't have to deal with all the other layers in the document. So there's lots of, lots of context-aware thinking that ultimately the goal of everything is to let designers get an idea out of their head and onto the screen as quickly as they possibly can. That is a great trend. And you would think that uh, with modern technology, the speed of the of the tool uh, and the, would not be an issue, right? But we're still thinking about it so much. Yeah, performance is always going to be an issue because by nature, 
you know, every year we ask more and more from our technology, more and more from our devices. So, um, and especially when you're thinking about UX UI design and how we're constantly designing for more and more, we're constantly designing experiences for more and more powerful systems. The um, uh, the demand that we put on our tools is going to go, it's going to increase as well, and that's why the foundation of XD, you know, there was such a premium put on being able to scale up performance, and you'll see actually very shortly that the performance is going to the, um, uh, sort of break through to another level even. That's amazing. Yeah. Let's go from from the tools to the methods that designers are going to use in the future as opposed to those that they use today sort of evolution mm -hmm. uh, what do you think uh, what do you think is gaining traction or what do you think is going to grow in terms of the methods well I think the question really is is how are the problems that we solve going to get more and more complicated so you know, it, just through the span of my career you know it the, the problems have already gotten exponentially more uh, more complex. In the beginning, we were designing fairly static solutions, and the, the way the designer thought back then was generally like, I design how it's going to, to look, right? We mostly thought about its presentation. Now we're in a period where we're thinking about Um, the behavior of the the um, systems that we design, the, the various possible outcomes, and we're also thinking about involving more and more people in the design process as more and more of our colleagues, you know, engineers, product managers, more and more people become sensitive to design and understand how it's important. So now we've gone from saying, I design how it looks, to saying, we together design how it works and then going forward still the the problems are going to get again exponentially more complex because you'll have more platforms you'll have um, more users um, who want to tackle more, more and more different kinds of use cases and you'll have the added complexities of, of machine learning Uh, potentially augmented reality and virtual reality and you'll have voice and so it's really going to be oh. <laughs> it's really going to mean that the tools and the methods are going to need to allow you to sort of define behavioral patterns not just design a layout but also design like how a layout is going to behave and change according to all these different kinds of vectors so it's going to get you know more and more multi-dimensional I think we're already pretty much there in terms of uh, the variety of devices, but still have not solved a lot of challenges that you know our projects meet. As a very simple example, web applications are primarily designed for desktop environments for larger screens. And I still, mm -hmm. as a web app designer, I still don't have a solid answer whether that should be you know, responsive from scratch how it should behave on a mobile screen, really. Do you, do you even try to reproduce a mobile app on a mobile screen? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's still a lot of fundamental things that we are still contending with today, but the, the paradigms aren't waiting for us to get them sorted out. They're continuing <laughs> to, to evolve. Um, 
for for the research as being one of the important parts of UX, uh, do you see any good things happening? Um, we already talked over, you know, having access to quality analytics tools as opposed to early years. Mm-hmm. Anything else along those lines? I mean, at Adobe, we're building out our research team more and more. They, they you know, compared to several years ago, they are more fully embedded in the design process than ever. They are they full partners when it comes to like planning out a product and planning out a feature roadmap. Um, and you know, more and more as design in the in the biggest sense is being asked to develop not just a product, but also like a business around a product. Um, the research becomes even more integral, even more important to helping to figure that out. Um, so yeah, we're, we're really bullish on research at Adobe and we really think it's, it's only going to get more important, not less important. Since you mentioned, you know, business, uh, business, uh, part of design, which is so often overlooked by actual designers doing their work. Do you have any recommendations for people who want to not just think of design and do design, but think of the holistic business picture and try to uh, apply business principles to it? Yeah, I think my advice would be that the, the best way to become aware of the the imperatives of the business is to to ask questions outside of the design domain to talk to the people that you work with on the business side the product management side the marketing side try to understand what what their goals are what their um, what their immediate needs are and also to broaden the the stuff that you read, the content that you consume to, you know, to don't just read, you know, designer news and don't even just read, um, um, you know, tech sites also read news sites. Also look at the business section of, of the New York times or read the wall street journal or, you know, read, um, Bloomberg, Bloomberg business week, really try to get this perspective of how, what you do fits into that larger picture. And I think, um, and sort of nurture and develop a curiosity for that kind of stuff. Um, because that's really where it comes from. The, the, the curiosity, the, the, um, the authentic interest in understanding the bigger picture is the best way to, to really um, to internalize um, the the non-designer parts of you know, design's impact. Thank you for for the great advice. I have a few more you know smaller follow-up questions, and one of them is really it might be really irritating, and I'm sorry if it is, but <laughs> um, because I often get asked that, and I don't think it's merely nearly as important as the craft itself. But I see that at Adobe, you say UX, UI. Is that because UX comes first and UI is, you know, the next layer of visual design? You know, we don't have an official way of saying it. And I see (laughs) sometimes that people write UI, UX. I say UX, UI because I, I do think that UX encompasses UI. I think that you can't really have 
a good UI without thinking of a good UX. So that's the way I prefer to say it. <laughs> Thank you for the note. Uh, <laughs> would you recommend any uh, great books or maybe blogs that you think would be great guidance for people who are you know, starting out or looking to improve in their UX efforts? Oh, well, that's a great question. I mean, I, I think the... Um, um, I always think about the, the book, um, the Don Norman book, The Design of Everyday Things, which is famous, and I'm sure every designer has heard of it. I'm not sure every designer has read it. I, I still think there's so much good stuff in there that any, any designer could, could learn from. Um, I actually don't think it's, it's hard to find good stuff um, uh, regarding design and UX. There's so much of that stuff out there. I think what's really hard is to find really good, thoughtful design criticism, and so I, I really like the stuff that's being written at uh, Fast Company's design site. I really like the stuff that's being written at, at Quartz um, uh, that really takes a, a, a harder look at design and its impact and, and its meaning. Mm -hmm. Thank you for these recommendations. And maybe a couple more bits of design advice for, for the same people who want uh, to improve in their skill. So, um, I think the best way to become a better designer is to actually look at design that you admire and try to recreate it. And even if you're copying it pixel for pixel, just so that you understand how it's done, how it's put together. Um, and that can mean... You know, trying to master a specific like visual technique, but it can also mean like maybe taking a look at an app or a site or an experience that you really like, and 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 for yourself mapping out the flow so you can get a sense of of how it all fits into one coherent whole. And I think when you do that, it really kind of demystifies design for you and teaches you so much. Absolutely. And there is a whole new generation of amazingly looking web apps now that would make, you know, every designer almost drool with envy. And I think yeah. just tearing them apart and seeing what exactly made them awesome is a great idea. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. One last question, since we're talking about the future of design. What do you think the industry of UX will look like in 15 years from now? <laughs> Um, so if I knew the answer to that, I would be, <laughs> I would be rich. It's so hard to know, you know, it's so hard to, to really predict, um, cause there's so many factors. Um, I mean, I think a lot of things that I've said already about design getting more complex, is going to play out in the industry. Um, I think that we'll also see the trend of more and more, people participating in the design process, people we might not necessarily think of as designers today. I think particularly if you think about voice UX and UI, I think that doesn't sound like design today because it's not visual and there's no layout and typography, but it's very much a kind of design. I think we'll see, see other disciplines like that be, start to be considered a part of design, a part of UX design. Um, so it's gonna it's gonna morph in ways that I can't predict.
Yeah, thank you. But you are one of the most qualified people in the world who could predict that. So it is definitely worth asking. <laughs> where, uh, well, thank you. <laughs> where can people find your your personal work online and your uh, corporate work as well? Sure. I write a blog at subtraction.com. Just spell out the word subtraction. And I'm on Twitter at, at Koi, K-H-O-I. Mm-hmm. Sounds great. And of course, we can find Adobe XD at Adobe's website. <laughs> right, adobe.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Koi, for joining us today and sharing your insight. I hope this Thank serves you. as inspiration for those designers who are listening to us today. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jane. It was really fun. Fantastic. Have a great day. Thank you, Koi. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, please leave a review on iTunes. It will help other people discover this podcast. Thank you.